y'all have to excuse me this morning. I've kind of got a catching my get along. I don't know if I slept wrong or or might be what Brother George said. I'm just old, but uh, I uh, got a catch in my back, so I may not be able to run and jump over the pews today. So y'all just have to bear with me. How many of you watched the coronation of King Charles yesterday? Did y'all really? I didn't either. But I heard about it. But I'm waiting for the coronation of the true king. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And one of these days in heaven, he's going to be coronated. Amen. And uh, I tell you what, there was a lot of pomp and circumstance. I saw a few highlights on the news, uh, just a few, but I mean, you know, gold-plated carriages and jewels and crowns and all of that. Uh, I tell you what, he's a man. That's all he is, is a man. The one true king that we're going to coronate in heaven one day is almighty God himself. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews this morning for our thoughts. Hebrews chapter 2. I'd like to speak to you for a few moments out of the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Y'all will stand. I'll be fine. If you want to sit, that's fine also. Some of you may not be able to stand. Hebrews chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to secure them that are tempted. Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you. We're thankful for this time you've given us. Thank you those that have come out. Lord God, I just pray now as break the bread of life, you'll just give me the words to say. Let me say those things you've laid upon my heart. May your sheep be fed your word this morning. And Father, if there's one here that doesn't know you, may they be convicted by your Holy Spirit through your word. And may they be drawn to you for salvation before it's eternally too late. Father, you've heard the prayer request. You know what's on our heart.
spoken and unspoken. We lay them before you and seek that your will be done. And again, Father, we're thankful that we still live in a country where we're free to assemble and to worship you, our God. Father, again, may everything that we say this morning honor and glorify you. And may you be worshipped in spirit and in truth. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. I want to speak to you just for a little bit about Jesus, our Lord, our merciful and faithful high priest. Notice the writer of Hebrews. And by the way, you know who I think the writer of Hebrews is. I believe it was the apostle Paul. But the writer of Hebrews is addressing Hebrew believers. Those that came out of the law and tradition. And if anybody knew the office of a high priest, it was these Hebrew believers. They knew. Now us, we don't live in temple times where sacrifices were offered by the high priest and all. But it's still a good thing to know about the high priest. And Jesus, when he died, was buried and rose again and ascended to the Father in heaven, became our high priest. So, with that said, notice what it begins in verse 14. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. And let me just say, you and I are partakers of flesh and blood. You and I came into the world with a sinful nature. Sin has a hold on all of us. We are born with a nature to sin. That little baby born laying in that... uh, Nursery at the hospital is beautiful and as innocent as that child is. That child will one day grow up and be subject to the sin nature. He's going to sin as he grows. He may be little now, but as he gets older, now he doesn't have to grow to adulthood before he commits his first sin. Listen, I've seen. Did you take that cookie? Uh-uh. And he's all over his face. Already lied. That's a sinful nature. The Bible says, Wherefore by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. For all have sinned. So the writer of Hebrews is talking about because we have this sin nature There is a penalty that we owe God because he's holy, he's righteous, and that sentence is death. Spiritual death. Does everybody understand it? Spiritual death. And yes, physical death is tied in. We die. If the Lord doesn't come back in our lifetime, we're all going to die. But spiritual death is the penalty for our sinful nature. It's the penalty because we're sinners. And Christ is being spoken of here. And it says, For much then as the children of 
are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Understand this morning that Jesus Christ came into the world to liberate us from sin. He came into the world. He partook of flesh. He was born not the way you and I were born from our mother's womb, although that's how we were born. He was born of a virgin womb. Mary was his mother, absolutely, 100%, but she was a virgin. She never knew a man. His birth was different. And the reason he was born of a virgin was because even though he became flesh and blood like you and me, even though he's just like us physically, he is perfect as a sacrifice to pay the penalty for our sins. So he had to be virgin born. There was no other way. But Jesus came. He didn't come into the world to sympathize with our struggles. And by the way, anybody struggle here in life? All of us. Every single day there's something we struggle with. Health issues, financial issues, family issues, all kinds of issues out there that we struggle with. And believe me, Jesus cares, but he didn't come here to see us struggle. He came here for one purpose, and that was to die to liberate us from sin, to set us free. And I'm thankful for that. How about you? Now it says, For as much as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, and that's us, we have a sinful nature, he also likewise took part of the same. He became flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Through death, Jesus came to die. That's why he came into the world. Now think about this. God in eternity past knowing when he placed man in the garden was going to sin. Knew it. But God, the creator of everything, sent his son into the world to die and taste death for every man. Not just some of his favorites, but everyone, all of mankind. And then the Bible says that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, and that is the devil. Let me just say this. The one thing about men, yes, we're born with a sinful nature, yes, we know we stand separated from God because of our sin, but the one thing that man's greatest fear of is death. Men fear it. But Christ came into the world to defeat death. In fact, when he died on Calvary for our sins, they buried him. He rose again the third day coming out of that tomb, liberating us and 
defeating death so we would no longer fear death. I scratched my head. That was one thing that used to scare me all the time. Growing up, I'll be the first to tell you, I didn't think I would see 63 years old. I thought I'd be long gone because I was a wild child. God's grace. But I feared it. But praise God, because of what Christ did, he defeated death, hell, and the grave. And not only did he defeat death, hell, and the grave, understand, Satan may have won the battle in the Garden of Eden, but he didn't win the war. Christ won the war for you and me. He's victorious. So we have nothing to fear anymore concerning death. Listen, I don't know what tomorrow holds. You don't know what tomorrow holds. But I do know this. One of these days, I may draw my last breath in this old mortal body. But I have nothing to fear because, you see, I know because of Christ's sacrifice on the cross, I know where I'm going. I know that I've been forgiven. I have nothing to fear. Because Christ on the cross defeated death and paid the penalty for our sins. See, this is something we don't think about a lot. But literally, when Jesus hung on that cruel cross, suffering, the agony that he suffered, not just with the pain, literally, God placed the sins of the world upon him. He literally became sin so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to God the Father. We don't ever think of that anymore. He became sin. It was my sin that put him there. It was your sin that put him there. And he literally became that sin. That we could be reconciled, Brother Ciro. Now, notice what it says here. He's our liberator, so he set us free, Right? That's what he's talking about here, the writer. Anyways, likewise took part of the same that through death he might destroy him that the power of death, that had the power of death, that is the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. I don't care how macho you are. There is nobody, no man or woman born in this world that doesn't have a fear of death. Those of you in the military, I bet you you met some folks that really were fearful. The bullets start flying over your head. But because of Christ, we don't have to fear death. Because he has liberated us from sin and the penalty of sin and that bondage and that fear of death that comes with us being born of flesh and blood. What a Savior. Who loves you like Jesus? There ain't nobody loves you like Jesus. Now, 
Notice what it says. It's fixing to get real good here. Because it says, And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. By the way, turn over to Colossians while we're still there. Colossians 2.15. Colossians 2.15. Just had it. Colossians 2.15. Colossians 2.15. And having spoiled principalities and powers... He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Satan got his tail kicked. Amen? He was defeated when Jesus came out of the tomb on the third day. When the stone was rolled away and he walked out of that tomb, Satan was defeated. Now, look at what it says. For verily he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Again, as our Lord, as our high priest, as our king, understand He didn't take on the form of an angel, but he took on the seed of Abraham. He's happy to call you and I, those of us that know him as Lord, his brethren. Wherefore, in all things, it behooved him. Somebody tell me what the word behooved means. It means to sympathize on one's behalf. It behooved him on whose behalf? Our behalf to be made like unto his brethren. Understand again, as a high priest, he understands us. Understand He sees the struggles. He knows what we go through. Listen, man will fail you every time. There'll be times you'll look to a man to help you. He'll see a need, but for whatever reason, he's not there to help you. He may turn his back on you. He may just be old and forget. But he will let you down. But with Jesus as our high priest, he will never ever let us down. You see, he sympathizes with us. Understand, he left the glory of heaven and came down into the world as flesh and blood who was poor, who was denied by his own people, who thirsted, who was ridiculed, who was mocked, who uh, he was left alone In the crowd many times, oh, there was crowds that gathered for the miracles, but he knew they weren't there for him. So he understands and he sympathizes with us as we struggle. Anybody here struggle? 
Don't we? We all have struggles. But he sympathizes because it behooves him to be made like us. He wants to and does understand us who we are. That he might be a merciful, faithful high priest. You see, again, after the Lord came out of the tomb on the third day, he went up to heaven. And he offered his sacrifice to the Father. And the Lord accepted his sacrifice on the cross as an appeasement for our sins. He, he, he is right now our high priest, our intercessor. And that's what I'm thankful for. You see, the high priest in the Old Testament interceded for the children of Israel, for the people. You see, he was a man that stood between the people and God. But now we have a true high priest who is God that intercedes today for his people. And I'm thankful that no matter what my issue is, I can turn to him. I can approach his throne of grace anytime I want to. I don't have to depend on somebody going between me and God to do it because Christ is that intercessor for me. And it's through him I have the ability. But notice what it says here. He might be merciful and faithful high priest to things pertaining to God. Now again, high priest in the Old Testament, what was their job? Well, for one, he was a go-between the people and God. He went behind the veil of the temple. He went and he offered a blood sacrifice before God on the mercy seat so that sin might be atoned for once a year. That's it. Once a year. He had to do it over and over and over again. Yes, in the Old Testament, the high priest had an important job. But listen to me. When Jesus became our high priest, he offered his blood and his blood is propitiation for our sins. You say, Brother John, what, is, what does propitiation mean? Well, again, it means one, satisfaction. It means appeasement. It means the price paid. It means all of those things. I guess what I'm trying to say is the royal blood of Christ that he offered on the cross was our covering. Understand because of his death on the cross, 
His blood covered my blood and your blood. When God sees us, he sees his son's covering. And because of that covering, I can be reconciled to God. Isn't that some good stuff? That'll preach. Now, let me say something else about the blood. In fact, I got several things I want to say about the blood. Speaking of propitiation. I know today nobody wants to hear about the blood. Nobody today wants to preach the blood. Nobody wants that bloody gospel. But listen to me, without the blood, there is no gospel. Listen to me, it took the blood of God's only begotten Son to redeem us. And I'm glad the gospel is bloody. Because I know because of the blood, I can receive forgiveness of sin. Does everybody understand that? Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And remission means forgiveness. Now, let's look at this. We're talking about his blood. He's talking about propitiation. Notice what it says. To make reconciliation for the sins of the people. That's propitiation. So, we know about the covering. What about the satisfaction? Propitiation means the satisfaction. Do you understand that with Christ shedding his blood on the cross, the Lord was satisfied? In other words, we don't have to worry about the Lord being satisfied now and then coming back and saying, you know what? No, that wasn't enough. It's going to have to be some more. No, once and for all, when Jesus died for our sins, it satisfied the demands of a holy, righteous God. <sighs> that ought to light you shucks. What about as payment for the penalty of sin. Once and for all, Christ, by his death on the cross, paid your debt and my debt and the sins of the world. We don't have to wait and find out if there's anything else owed. You know, you ever paid a bill? You think, oh, it's paid off, and then you get another one for whatever, three or four dollars, and you're going, are you kidding me? We don't have to worry about that with the Lord. Because the payment Christ made on the cross was sufficient and paid in full. <laughs> now do you see where I say there's nothing to fear death? Well, because the payment's been made. The penalty has been satisfied by Christ on the cross. And then, of course, we talked about appeasement. You see, you and I, before Christ died on the cross for our sins, me and you owed a debt to God. And man is still trying to pay that debt in his own 
flesh and his own works. But beloved, here's the thing. It was already paid. And even though we, because we're sinners, flesh and blood, the wrath of God literally is what we have to face. But if we trust Christ as our personal Savior, we receive Him as our Savior, then He makes the appeasement. He satisfies the righteous and holy demands of God through the death of His Son and on our part, the simple childlike act of faith and trust. Think about that for a second. We try to make salvation so hard. It's very easy. You read some books. You know, I've got a library. I've got a library in my study here. And then I've got a library at home in our uh, living room. And I've got some books and I've got some authors that uh, they're not all Baptist. You say, oh, you're not reading Jimmy Swagger. No. Joel Osteen, no. But I've got some writers that think a little different than, than I do. They make some good points. And you can learn a little bit. But understand, what's amazing is some of them, when it comes to salvation, they all have a different idea. Can I tell you there's only one book that you are to trust? For salvation, and it's God's holy word. Listen, uh, I'm going to take God's word. If He says I need to do this or that to be saved, that's what I'm going to do because if I do it, I know I'm going to be saved. I'm not going to take some man and hope he was right. Uh, again, we're talking eternal life. Now, notice what He says. He says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to secure them that are tempted. You say, well, what does that word secure mean? It means to bring help when it's needed. That's what secure means. First of all, it says that he was tempted every bit like me and you. The only difference is he was sinless. He was perfect. Me and you, we would give in to temptation. We would give in to sin. Jesus never did. Therefore, he could be the perfect sacrifice to atone for our sins. But he was tempted. And believe me, he knows about temptation. And when we are tempted, he is there to bring help when it's needed. I don't know about you. I need a lot of help. Amen. I don't know. It's just because he's God, but I don't know how he does all he does when he has me to look after Amen. I keep him on his toes. My point is, he is there to help. 
we have access to the Father. We can literally come to his throne and find mercy and help in time of need. Thank you, sister. I agree with you. You're right. He is the only one that can help us. And he does. But that's why the word here says that he is a merciful and faithful high priest. He is the greatest concerning high priest. There's been high priests that have served that office in the Old Testament. They've got folks, although there's not temple worship now, because they don't have another temple, although I'm here to tell you the last time we were there, we went and saw where they got all, everything is ready to build. It's ready. Once it's built, they will be offering sacrifices again, and there will be those elected to the office of high priest. You say, Brother John, well, why? Why do we have to go through that since Jesus died on the cross? He was the lamb that took away the sin of the world. Why do we have to see that? It is to make us remember the sacrifice. That's why. You will know those sacrifices will point to the resurrected Savior. Because after all, he was the lamb. Every lamb offered as a sacrifice will point to the true lamb. That's why. And by the way, the reason it's going to be done over and over again is so we get it. We're a little slow. Amen? The children of Israel, a little slow. They had God in their midst. Bible says he came into his own and his own received him not. They had the word of God. They had prophets of God that pointed to him. And no, he can't be. He can't be. Remember that fellow we saw at, where was it, Shiva? Shiloh. Shiloh, thank you. He literally was asked, how come you Jews don't recognize Jesus as a Messiah? He can't be the Messiah. Can't be. Why can't he be? Prophets pointed to him. The word of God pointed to him. Why can't he be the Messiah? Oh, we're looking for a Messiah that's going to come and he's going to build and make society great and he's going to do this. Listen, Jesus is a builder. He's building the kingdom of God. Jesus is great. He's God in the flesh. Basically what the fellow said was this Messiah that you Christians have fallen for, this Jesus, he's not enough. That's what He's saying. Uh, he's more than enough and then some, y'all, because he's everything. Jesus is God. 
Jesus is the Messiah. And according to scripture, they will one day recognize he was there in their midst. But how many people are going to have to perish? Again, Brother Bob, and I got to give it to my brother. He stood up to the guy and asked him a very pertinent question. You remember that question you asked him, brother? What did you say? I, I was kind of proud of him. I was looking at him saying, hey, he's one of ours. <laughs> what did you say, brother? You done forgot? We're getting old, ain't we? I know this. Huh? Yeah, in January, brother. Boy, we're getting old. We're in trouble. Brother George, hush. <laughs> hush, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, do that. Uh, here's the point. He stood up for our Savior. And listen, Jesus is not only our Savior. He's not only God in the flesh, but he acts as our high priest. In everything he's done, it points to his mercy and his faithfulness. Again, he is to secure us. When we are in trouble, he comes to help. If you're here this morning, in close, and you need help the greatest help I can offer you is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ he can help you in many ways and he's willing to help you no matter what the problem but you got to come to him he shed his blood literally became flesh and went to the cross so that we might be liberated from sin and the penalty of sin, which is death. The Bible says sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. He came to liberate. And I'm thankful. And then, of course, he came to intercess for you and me. He's a great intercessor. He's our go-between. Father, yep, he's ours. Look, he's covered by my blood. I am thankful. How about you? Are you saved? If not, come meet Jesus. He will save you. Come to him. Because he's the only one that you can trust and come to. No one else can save you. There's only one way. That's just like what he said over there in Matthew. Strive to enter in at the straight gate. Remember that? The straight gate. Because wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow the way that leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. So 
it boils down to either or. You are on one of those paths. It's either broad or it's narrow. Uh, I pray you're on the narrow. Because the broad way is what all the world is headed down. Few there be that find the narrow way. Get on the narrow way. Come to Christ today. Stand with me, please. Father, thank you for your word. Pray, Lord, that I've said all that you'd have me to say. Haven't left anything out. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for liberation I have in you. Thank you for, Lord, being my intercessor. I know that I can come to God the Father because you intercede for me. Lord, I don't know the spiritual condition of those that are here, but there's one that has a need. May it be met as we have this invitation. Lord, draw to you those that you will. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.